Hey guys, welcome back to Shades of Brilliance. I'm your host, Sierra Venable, and you read that right. I am moving to London. I am moving to the United Kingdom. It's huge. It's so huge. I don't even think I can process it. I've processed as much as I possibly can for now. When you're hearing this episode, I theoretically will be on the plane or getting ready to embark on the journey from DC to the UK. We're flying out of DC because not only is it cheaper, but East Coast to the UK just seems to be the only way. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I guess you could fly backwards, but I don't think any flight pattern will take you that way. So whatever. I'm excited. You're going to hear all of the highs and lows of this journey, this process from conception of the idea to allowing myself to just believe that it's real, to trusting my creative gifts, to trusting myself with with the whole idea. You know, like I have relied on other people's opinions for so long in my life. And this whole process was such a journey for me to learn from my past mistakes. You know, telling blocked people your dreams, telling people that cannot see anything for themselves. You know, it's an excavation emotionally to allow yourself to dream, to allow yourself to go, no, that that's that's right. That's what I want to do. And it might sound silly to these people, but this is what's important to me. So we'll go into all of that. There's a lot of anecdotes in this episode. I also should drop the other part of this news. I'm going to my master's program. I'm going to study art direction at the University of the Arts London, specifically London College of Communication. I'll break all of that information down, (laughs) especially people that are not in the fashion industry. It'll all make sense. But ultimately, this episode is for everyone who has just ever done something big in their life. And it feels cool. I actually had a coworker who told me I was kind of spiraling about the whole thing recently. And my work had to know, obviously, that I was, you know, going to a different country. And, um, he told me, he said, it's cool. This is really cool what you're doing to embark on a journey that so many people have done before you. And that always kind of stuck with me because he's right. He also has a humanities degree. So his understanding of voyage and and human perception is really cool. So I wanted to include that in the intro. Anyways, I think we should just get right into it. It's too many juicy questions to be answered. So here we go. Let's start from the beginning. I don't even think there's a need for an intro. Like you're you're here to hear the tea. So I'm here to tell it and I'm excited to tell it. I've been holding this in like (sighs) lightning in a bottle for so long. I have always been into manifestation and that's kind of where I'm at with my spirituality. I'm no longer religious. I don't feel religious. It's never, it's always brought me anxiety and grief. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, oh, it's just spirituality. Like I'm finding new names for everything. And when I, if you haven't heard my first episode, go listen to that because this will make more sense. But when I transferred to Finham, it was a huge aha moment in my life. And I had never really had the urge to make a big change in my life, except for that moment. Like I was officially an adult. I was no longer a minor. I was like, my life was my own. And I didn't feel, I didn't think I'd feel the pressure that soon. So Long story short, I start vision boarding like crazy because I had always done vision boarding, but like the visions were not coming from 
me. They were coming from what I thought I wanted. So I was just vision boarding like random stuff that I thought, oh yeah, that that sounds good. And I'm embarrassed to admit it, but like I really thought my life would be in some kind of suburb, married, kids. And that sounds so lame because looking back now, that's totally not me. And at some point, yes, would I like to have kids? I don't know, maybe like I'm still thinking about it, but like when you don't have any idea of who you are, that's kind of the track that you set yourself on is like the safe kind of societal track. Like, oh, at some point you'll have kids. At some point you'll get married. At some point, like X, Y, and Z plot points have to happen. And that's all I could see for myself. Like I literally could not envision anything more than like potentially winning a lake house. Like, like seriously. So when I had this big aha moment about fashion school and I was really scared to even like trust the thought because I was like, oh God, like, what does this even mean? What will my life look like if I trust myself really? And through all of this, vision boarding was the way that I really honed in on my reality. Since then, I've been a huge, huge, huge avid supporter of vision boarding. To this day, I have a vision board that has completely shaped my life and still does because the visions now come from a place of excitement and joy. Like they come from my inner child. They come from this other otherworldly place where I'm like, yes, like this feels right. It, it's feeling. It's not, this is what I think my life should look like. So I start vision boarding and every, there's no holds barred. Like I, I'm, I'm just pinning everything and printing it out and sticking it on this cork board. And as the visions become a part of my reality, like going to fashion school, living in a city, like seeing these kind of visions come to life, the more audacious you begin to get with them because it's like, wait, I can do anything. So that was kind of the case with my vision board and with London. And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't even really London. It was Europe. Like there was some kind of fascination with traveling and with Europe. And it was a whisper. It wasn't like an aha moment. And I'll get into that too, because all of my big life's moments have been like huge aha moments. London was a whisper. It was an intuitive gesture that I just trusted. And it's changed my life because sometimes your intuition speaks to you very softly. It's not always this big, hey, we're trying to get your attention type of thing. So I'm entering my last few quarters of college. I'm unsure about the future. And I'm just like relying more on my vision board. And I think it's all subconscious. I'm going to be honest. It's all subconscious because I really make these vision boards and then they sit on a windowsill or on a wall somewhere and they become like a reference point to the highest of highest dreams that I can think of for myself at one point in time. And now I'm at the point in my life where I feel there's a natural ebb and flow to things. So now that like, for example, I'm going to London, I will be restructuring my vision board because I'm in a new phase of life. Like now it's time to dream again, right? So I'm at the point where I'll just swap things out that don't align anymore and add new things on or okay, this. So my vision board is kind of like this big brain dump of like everything that I want to remember I'd like to do. You know, it's not like a notes app thing. It's more like a, let's get it visually somewhere. And I just set it and forget it literally. So I have this vision board. I think I'm relying more on it subconsciously at this point in my life because I just am feeling a little bit like, oh God, what's going to come next? 
Like my whole life has been school. My whole life has been classes and tests and, you know, these blocks of time where you know where you're going to be and you know you're going to be busy and you know you're going to be stressed. So back to the story. I had these photos of European cities, like probably something from Paris, probably something from Italy, these little cobblestone streets. And they sat on these vis- on my vision board for at least two years at this point. Like nothing had, I hadn't gone to Europe. I hadn't, you know, they were just sitting. And I was kind of getting to the point where I was like, are they just sitting there? Like, okay, like I'm, I need to remove them. And before I removed them, I had this inkling about London. And again, this is all subconscious, you guys. I'm not consciously going, am I ever going to go to London? I'm going to be honest. The same thing with LA. I don't even think I really knew it was a thing. Like I knew London was a city. I knew it existed. I don't think it was in my my realm of imagination. It wasn't like in my field of, oh, I've always wanted to go to London. I've always wanted to live in LA. Everything I've experienced so far has been things I never imagined I would do. Like I, I'm truly just like living as presently as I possibly can. And I had this random inkling about wanting to go to London for some weird reason. And I remember shoving it back down because I didn't really understand what to do with it. Like I I didn't even see a TikTok video. Like it was just this weird subconscious subliminal inkling to go to London. I don't know what it was. And it wasn't a conscious thought. It was just kind of like, huh, like literally like that, that small, like a, hmm, okay. And I, again, am in kind of a shambles period. I, it's the summer of 2022, I think. So yeah, 2022. So at this point I didn't have a job. I had quit my job a few months earlier because I was like, I want to like bring in new change. I was so sick of the predictability. LA was really difficult at this point in my life, but I was only, I knew I was only going to be living there for the two years that I was in school, but then I wasn't even really sure about that. So like everything was just up in the air and I was looking for a job, finally found a job, design intern, simple gig. And I was like, perfect. Like, this is great. I go in to interview and everything feels like it's happening at the same time. I'm having this inkling about going to the UK, but I'm also, you know, stressed about this job interview. I go in, my my old boss, the person I interviewed with, the CEO, was a Brit. And I'm like, this can't possibly be. It was one of those things that it feels so small that you could mistake it as a coincidence, but it's really not. And I was like, oh my God, he's a Brit. And he's, hello, and let me talk. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. The, I'm horrible with the accent. It's honestly rude. It's honestly downright disgraceful, but we're moving on. So I'm like, oh my God. I remember I called my mom and I was like, the person I interviewed with was literally British. And we were both like, what? Like, that's so bizarre. And then I went to the school. I went in, you know, I would go to these things. and I'd rush back and go to school and take a class, whatever. And I saw that the school was doing a London study tour for the fall in between the the summer and fall quarter. And I'm like, I'm going like, it just hits me. Like all of these things had aligned like within the same amount of time. And I was like, yes, I'm going. Didn't know what it was going to be. I know it was only going to be for a week. The school had done Paris study tour trips that were like two weeks long. And the Paris study tour trips, mind you, I go to a fashion school. So any kind of like travel with 
you know, the school, the influencers were involved. And it was, so I was just like, I don't want to go to Paris. There was something about not really wanting to go to Paris because I knew it was going to be like certain people that I, I I knew it was going to be a certain energy. Okay. And I was just like, I don't know that I have energy for that for two weeks. So the London tour kind of had me in another, huh? Like, okay, it's a week. It's a different, completely different energy. Again, not knowing anything really about London, but just knowing this like inner intuitive thing. So sorry if you hear my dog, she's barking at the sky because it's storming. But I go in and I'm like, I want to go on the trip. And I just get information. I didn't tell anybody. That's something I've been doing lately in my life. Don't tell anybody. Just go do it. Just go seek out the information. Go get the pamphlet. Look it up on Google. But you don't have to like tell everybody what you're currently thinking or pondering or like dreaming up because they ruin it. I'm going to be honest. It's well-meaning, but people ruin it. And I think a lot of people are blocked. And I'm reading The Artist's Way, so I'm having this whole epiphany moment, but especially as a creative, like there are so many creatives and just people in our lives that are so chronically blocked, like spiritually, artistically. And I learned my lesson a lot of the hard ways, okay? I was like, I can't tell anybody. So I just went in. I was like, hey, I want to get some information on this trip. And my teacher was like... um, oh my gosh, like we actually have a few spots left. Like we'd love to have you. We are in a little bit of a time crunch though, because at this point it was like nearing the end of summer. So they were going soon. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll figure something out. You know, I'll try to get the money, whatever. And I said, you know, the other thing I'm worried about, I said before I go is, you know, this trip actually happens to follow my birthday, my 21st birthday. So I said, this is like a big birthday. It's a big milestone. And she went, oh my God, when's your birthday? Honestly, it'd be so fun to be in London on your birthday. Like maybe consider it. And I was like, yeah. I said, oh, but my birthday's on September the 22nd. And she said, stop. We have another student going on the trip with the exact same birthday as yours. That was my sign. I was like, where do I sign? Where do you want the wire transfer? Like I was, from that point on, I was like, yeah, this is it. And I think that was such a validating relief in my life. Because like I said, like it's one thing to be dreaming it and putting it on the board. And a lot of times when you're trying to affirm something higher than your current existence, it feels like a lie. It feels like it's fake. It, you know, like your brain doesn't want to believe it. And so I finally felt like, oh my God, my vision board is coming alive. I went home, I worked with my mom, and we figured out a plan to get me to London. Um, so it was great. Long story short, it, I went on my 21st birthday. It was an incredible experience. Um, on these study tour trips with a fashion school, you go to like fashion appointments and you go to museums. And so it's, it's really geared towards like the creative, which is nice because I wasn't just like going to all of the sites. I was, we were going to the fashion appointments. Like I said, we went to Alexander McQueen. And like have this incredible experience in one of their ateliers on Bond Street. And they walked us through all of McQueen's old work. And um, it was just incredible. Like I cannot, I, it's like changed my life to see the way the creative team or to hear the way the creative team worked and to get to see the pieces that were archived. Like it was just so cool. And we went to the v and Museum, we went to the British Museum. Like London has all these museums. 
Um, we went to, what is the other one over in Battery? I think it's been over by uh, Battery Park. It was some like old war museum. But I remember Tate Modern. Tate Modern. And I remember it was so transcendent because our tour guide was incredible. She was this um, European woman and she would go on these segues of rants about female body hair. And she would go, the real woman has body hair. And she would connected all of it to Germany and into these oppressive, like patriarchal, just like hatred systems, these systems of like hatred. And so it wasn't just about war. It was so connected to like human experiences, like just incredible. And I realized how much that is important to me. Like I, I was so used to shoving myself down and just like making fun of the things that I liked and not taking them seriously. And then when I was there, I was like, oh my God, I'm eating this up. Like everything was so amazing to me. We were drinking at every meal because of course you're on vacation and you're in Europe. So it's like, okay, we'll drink Aperol spritzes literally at every meal. Um, we went clubbing. We, we had this whole night where we went out clubbing and it was after a play. We went to go see Six, um, which was a decent play. I'm not going to lie. I hate musicals. So it was just okay for me. But that was a part of the experience. Like drinking out of an actual wine glass in a theater. America could literally never. And we were like, should we go clubbing now? We run back to our hotel. We all change. We're like trying to find something to pregame with. And we run to this like bougie club on the other side of town. I want to say it was in um, Kensington or oh Soho maybe. It was like this bougie club. Oh my God. And we get to the door and she's like, girls, are you all right wearing trainers? Are you all wearing trainers? We were all in freaking tennis shoes. We're American. Like who goes to a club in heels? Could never be me. And I like heels. Like I'm like six feet tall and I believe that all tall women should wear heels. But at the club, like we were there to bust a move. So it was like everything was this whole learning experience and they let us in. There was a cover. So they weren't going to deny the cover. Okay. We gave our 20 pounds. We went inside. We had a blast, an absolute blast. Mayhem ensued. It was the best. We went to bed spinning. Nobody could get up the next morning. I somehow figured to get up the next morning. I was like, I am going to, oh God, what is it called? I'm going to forget. It's their um, vintage market, Brick Lane. I was like, I'm going to Brick Lane. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Nobody's keeping me from that vintage shopping. So I'm like massively hungover. I, we went to bed at like 3 a.m., you know, standing in the McDonald's queue for over two hours. I couldn't stand it. Every part of my American body and bones wanted to cut the fucking queue. If you aren't familiar with English, you know, slang, they call lines the queue. And they're so serious about it that they will stand in a line for two hours because of courtesy. Like nobody ever died from cutting the queue. Like that is the most American act is to cut a line. I, I, I kept joking like, oh, I'm going to cut the queue. And they were like, no. I mean, it was honestly hilarious. I've never seen McDonald's with such slow service, but that's besides the point. Again, they're just not in a rush. So again, it was this incredible experience. There was so much drama. You know, anytime you travel with a big group of people that you don't know and with people that have just different experiences with traveling, you know, it was just a nightmare. It was a blissful nightmare. And funnily enough, I did not leave wanting to live in London. 
I left and I didn't realize that I needed to process everything that had happened and everything that I had experienced. Like looking back now, I was in love and I just didn't know it. But like we, I came back to America, decompressed, you know, went back to the jet lag and, you know, tried to get my head straight for a few days and realized that I was like, I don't think I could live there. I think self-doubt was coming up. I think all of these random thoughts were coming up. And I remember my boss, who again is a Brit, he's like so excited that somebody in the office is going to London and like experiencing his culture. And I come back and I'm like, it was too rainy. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I could ever live there. Like I just, and I think what it was is I was too excited about it to let anybody shit on it. Like I didn't want to hear even anybody's good experiences with, with London. I think I was too excited about it to really tell anybody and get my own hopes up. So I go back to, you know, regular life and I look at my vision board again. And I swear to you, because I would I would find these pictures on for my vision board. I would print them out, but I would find them on Pinterest. And if you're deep in the Pinterest algorithm, you know that sometimes people will screenshot stories from Instagram. And they will post them on Pinterest from like somebody's account, like a blogger or like an influencer. So it's like a really aesthetic photo, but it's like screenshotted from somebody's story. And I, those are the best pictures to find for a vision board because like nobody's hand or face is in the photo. I hate finding photos of stuff that I like, but it's a white girl in the photo. How am I going to manifest with a white girl in the photo? So I always have to find the ones where it's just like the, you know, the laptop and then the coffee on the, on the computer and the, you know, like the, the vague kind of aesthetic images. So I have this, I go back and I'm like looking at my vision board and I'm like looking really closely. And I see on the vision board, one of those aesthetic photos of a laptop and this whole setup. And like, there's a makeup kit and it kind of looks like this person is doing creative work of some kind, which is probably why I put it there. And there was a tag. There was a location tag on Instagram. You can tag like a, you can, you can put like a location to suggest, oh, I'm in London, whatever. Well, I look at, I look closely at the tag and it's some specific like borough or part of London. I'm forgetting what it's called all of a sudden. Oh my gosh. I wish I remembered it. It was some part of London it said something dash London. Like it was very clear that it was a London thing. And I look and I'm like, oh my God, the power of suggestion. I didn't even really understand that it was there. It was like this like really cryptic thing. And I was like, okay, I should look into this a little bit more. During the lunch hour, during work, I just slowly kind of became obsessed with the idea of living there. Not obsessed as as like, oh, I have to live there, but there was still this itching thing about going. So I was like, well, school, that's probably an avenue of living in London. So I started looking at different schools. And when we were on the trip, we toured um, the London College of Fashion. And so I was familiar with the University of Arts London. And I was like, huh, let me just look at some other master's programs because I was already set to have my bachelor's done. And I found this program called Masters of Art Direction. And I was just pretty much instantly smitten with it. I went back and forth. If you're, let me go into this as well. University of the Arts London has 
owns a bunch of schools. Like it's a program. I think it's like a program or I don't know how to describe it yet, but it's basically like a, an organization that owns like five or six, maybe seven other schools. So they have, um, they own, uh, I think Camberwell College of Art and they own London College of Fashion and London College of Communication and all these different London colleges of whatever. And they also own Central St. Martin's, which if you're unfamiliar with the fashion world is like the Yale of art school is Central St. Martin's. So I'm like looking at Central St. Martin's programs and your app, one of your applications can go towards two different schools, which is like the coolest thing about this uh, organization or system or whatever. So I'm like looking at Central St. Martin's and they have this fashion journalism program, Masters of Fashion Journalism. And I was like, I this kind of seems cool to me. And the, I went back and forth and soon enough, it said that the program was being discontinued or they weren't taking any more applications until April of 2023 or something. And at the time, in the timeline, I probably should have made you more aware of that. It's like November, maybe. So maybe, yeah, it's like, I've come back from the trip. It's like October, November-ish. And I'm just doing like general research. And so I'm like, I don't want to wait till April of 2023. Like I might have forgotten about the application. And I really wasn't all that impressed or obsessed with journalism to even really follow through with that program. So I went back to the Masters of Art Direction and the MA of Art Direction was with the London College of Communication. So I was it already seemed in line with what I had already done. I have a bachelor's in visual communications and communications is kind of where I like to stay. A lot of times journalism and communications are lumped together, which I understand why they would be, but journalism has a whole other facet of it. And obviously there's a lot of journalism, you know, in the London College of Communication, but there's always something about it that just made me, uh, I, I, I much prefer the abstraction. I much prefer the creative process, the, the process of making something, taking the information, analyzing, and then doing something with it um, beyond just writing something or interviewing or whatever. So I put my application in, I put on my calendar when the deadline was due, and it became more and more important to me as time went on. And the looming part of any application process for the cre- for a creative or any creative program is the portfolio. Because it's like, what the F am I going to show? What order do you show it? Thankfully, at the time, I was pulling together um, portfolio examples for a class I was taking at FITM in your final kind of capstone project. You put together, you put together all of your work. They make the strenuous process of that's not right. Move that photo. Don't have a border. Like it, you go through your portfolio, like you're literally getting ready to sell it on eBay. And so I had already, I was already kind of pulling images and things that of, of my work that I liked photography and anything to me that just had a personal feeling. Like if there was any kind of cool, deep meaning that I applied to something, I would just put it there. And then they had a text box where I would write down to me, you know, this project meant X, Y, Z, and it's the study of blank, blank, blank. And so I did that one night I got, I literally submitted my portfolio in one night. I was like, I'm not going to sabotage myself. So a part of the portfolio, you have to submit a video. I mean, this process is kind of insane. Okay. (laughs) Looking back, I'm like, this is actually kind of crazy. And when I think back, I actually had to submit my application 
And then they let you know if they want to see a portfolio from you. So I was reached out to, they wanted to see my portfolio. I get my portfolio done and they wanted a video. So in with this creative channeling, I just set up my iPhone, press record. Hi, my name is Sierra Venable. And you know, I, and I give my whole three minute spiel on who I am, why I'm a good fit for the program. And they, they had you answer some ex, existential question, which is how I knew I was for the program. I love existentialism. I love deep depth, meaning. And I was like, yeah, this is for sure. Like I'm aligned to the program that I need to be in. And I forget what the question was, but it was, they have different prompts every year, I think. And so whatever, I, I answer it very well. And I connected it back to one of my projects and I was a really big, in my portfolio, I had a lot of projects about architecture. Um, I've always, and I've always said this, my introduction to creative was um, architecture, you know, and interior design, like this kind of physical, um, what is the word? Kind of protruding form of art where we exist around it. It's like the most ultimate relationship to form and function. And we're so desensitized to it in America. Like we have horrible infrastructure here. There is no public transportation. And I believe it's making people sick and miserable. I do. So I talked about that in the video and I had another pa- project that I was really uh, passionate about. I took uh, Perrier. It was one of my... Um, set design, not set design. I'm going to forget what it's called. Set styling classes, environmental design, where you basically have to style products or different elements of a an environment. And I styled Perrier, which is like a sparkling water, as if it was an alcoholic beverage set in like the Christmas time where everything is supposed to be super overindulgent and decadent and fun and romantic. And I was really passionate about how I loved that the work expressed meaning as I attached meaning after the fact. So I shot all the images. They looked incredible. I was super satisfied with them. And then I was like, wow, I just created the most decadent looking holiday campaign for a non-alcoholic beverage. So I talked a lot about alcohol consumption in American culture and I just went off. Like I just did me. I did what I do. And you send all that in, you don't hear back for a few months and they'll let you know if they want to do an interview with you. So, okay, this is a very grueling process. Like, I don't know why in the moment I just felt so right. So I wasn't thinking about how intense it was, but looking back, this is pretty intense. (laughs) So they reach out to me and all you get is an email with, here's your interview, time and date. Does this work for you? Say yes or no. So I go into the portal, I say yes, you know, and whatever. And, you know, the important, all important interview is coming up. I remember my mom was in town. She flew out to LA. I forget why. I think she was going on a cruise and it was my spring break or something. And um, so she flew out to LA to see me before she went to the port. And I remember I woke up at 4 a.m. that morning and I didn't know why. And I was just like, I don't know why I woke up so early this morning. I had missed my interview. I miscalculated the time zone differences. I've never felt so dumb in my life. I So what I did was I converted the time, but I didn't convert, like I changed it from military because, you know, th- for them time is like 14 o'clock. What the hell does that mean? So I think I converted 
the military time to US time, but I didn't like factor in the second conversion that you have to do where, okay, 2 p.m. in England might be, you know, 4 a.m. in LA, but I didn't do the conversion to see what 2 p.m. would be in Los Angeles. So I missed it. And I literally think my body was subliminally waking me up for the interview because I was, I missed it. So I'm a basket case, but I pulled myself together somehow. I don't know how I just was like, it'll have to be fine. I still felt like if, if it's for me, it'll work. So it, it can't fail. So I, you know, am frantically emailing the school. And again, this whole process is very, um, you're very removed from a lot of information. Like it's kind of vague because they don't want people to know, Hey, Mr. So-and-so I missed the interview. Like it's all through a portal. So you have no idea that your email is even getting to somebody who can actually reschedule the time. It was like a nightmare. I was like, this might've been a one and done. I might've ruined it. And soon enough, at some point I get an email back and they reschedule it. And I do the conversion, right? I show up for the interview. I was so nervous and I, you meet with the program director of the program that you're applying to. So I like, again, looking back, this was huge. And I, I think it's just not hitting me. Like in the moment I just was so, yeah, this is the next part of the process. Like I was just so tunnel vision. So we're talking and he's talking a lot about different things and questioning me on certain things. And he was, the, the interview is very um, abstract. Like, it's not, okay, so how old are you? And what are you, it's very, you know, well, what is your take on, you know, whatever? Because they're trying to see if you have the analytical skills to do a master's program in art. So it's very, like I said, abstract, existential, whatever. So at one point, I, I feel like I'm kind of doing okay. And then at one point he asks me, you know, I'm curious to hear your take on the American dream. And I kid you not, that quarter, I did an entire project on the American dream in my like psychology class at Fitment. It was like a gen ed. Like I just had to get it done before graduation. And I chose to do the topic American dream because it just felt so deep to me. Like I wanted to go into it. And I was having all these revelations in class and my classmates were pissing me off because they didn't understand it. Like I learned that white people don't have to know what an American dream is. They just are American. They don't have to like, like it, I had all of these revelations and he asked me my take on the American dream. He said, in your view, and it was a very specific question he asked. It wasn't like, oh, so what do you think about the American dream? It was like, if applying American dream to that context, like it was a, like I had to be very specific in pulling, you know, factual information, but also applying it to my own understanding of what it meant. And then my interpretation of what that could look like physically, because that's what art is. So it's very hard to do, especially on the spot. And I had done all of this research. So I felt like this was a sign from God that I was going to get in and that I was going to go because what in the world? What in the world? Like I had, I had literally had done all of this research on consumerism and how consumerism is so connected to the American dream and how in the 1950s we started selling, you know, this concept of America abroad culturally, you know, McDonald's and movies and films, we, we, we began to export our culture as a means of control. I mean, I had done all of this research and the founding fathers and these, you know, 
foundational people to American society had warned people in the 1940s and in the 1930s that, hey, this is going to become an issue. This this will spiral out of control. You cannot have never-ending progress. And I told him all of these things. I was like, and, you know, I, oh my God, I was just like living. Like I, I felt like a smart person. I felt brilliant. I felt like all of the teachers in my life that had ever said something about how dumb I was or about how I was hopefully one day going to have a job. I just wanted to kick them in the face. Like I knew what I was talking about. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was good at. And I was telling this person and he was delighted. Like I could see the delight in his face to be having that kind of abstract banter. It felt like a win. I'm not going to lie. And I ended very well. I called my mom immediately, of course. And I'm like, I got in. You know, I'm just like beaming with the signs and the synchronicities and everything. And soon enough, you don't hear anything back. You know, you wait months and months. At this point, I am encroaching on, you know, I'm finishing my last quarter of fashion school. I finished a tad early. So I finished in March and I moved out. I left LA. It was the hardest decision of my life. I didn't know what I was going to do next. And I was just like, but I need, I know I need to go home. I know I can't afford $3,000 a month rent. So it's time to do the next logical step. And I, I was having breakdowns and I was having just epiphanies that like what I thought I was going to do in LA was not going to amount. Like it, it just wasn't going to happen. And we journey back to New Mexico, the 12 hour drive from California, another month of agony, no answers for my future. I don't have a job. Like everything just feels like what is happening. And on a random like Tuesday afternoon, I get an email that says outcome because that's the Brit's way of saying results. (laughs) So I get this thing outcome. And I missed it. Like I had gone to, I had done something all day. Like I had, I remember I had gone somewhere. And I remember I was in a very, very good mood that day. For It was like the one streak of sunlight in my life. And I didn't know why I was so happy. And then I looked and I was like, oh my God. And I had gotten the email hours earlier. I opened it up and it says, congratulations. And the rest of it was a blur. And I really chose that moment to be intentional with how I was going to process that alone. Because I didn't tell anybody. I mean, I told my mom later in the process that I was applying, um, you know, but I didn't tell anybody like what my ideas were and what I was going to apply to, nothing. And I go to the park. That we, my There's like a park close to my house. And I, I sat on a park bench by myself, no phone, and just sat with myself in that moment. And it was, it's still one of the most present moments I've ever been in. Highly recommended if you have good news coming your way or, you know, big life moments that alter your life. I knew it was going to alter my life forever. And so I just sat, I just sat on the bench and I was like, this is huge, (laughs) huge. And I actually have the video of me telling my mom, I went, I remember I picked her up from work and she was like, oh my God you did it. Like, this is going to change your life. And it was just, it was surreal. It was surreal. (sighs) I didn't tell anybody for months. And now I'm telling you because it's officially gone through. My visa has gone through. Let me tell you, the visa process, worth it. But let me tell you something. Government bureaucracy is a lot. 
It's a lot. I mean, they want to know the first pet you ever had. Have you ever had a goldfish? Say yes or no. It's like, dang. So anyway, in that process, the visa process is like 10 times harder than getting into the school. <laughs> I, you have to send your passport to New York, like a sensitive document. A passport is a sensitive document and you have to just trust that it's going somewhere. You have to have all these, right? You have to have your documents exactly correct because if it's not, you won't get the visa. You have to start all over again. So, oh God, it was so nerve wracking. I sent my passport off to New York, had it overnighted because I was so nervous and my passport came back and it comes back and you know, you've gotten your visa granted. If your visa, if you go into your passport and you have a sticker, it's called a vignette. And it basically says when you're allowed to enter the country. So, because you can enter the country as a visitor for up to like 90 days or something, but if you want to stay on your visa for an extended period of time, you have to enter the country at a certain date. So it's this whole sticker thing and it goes in your passport. So I'm digging through my passport and I'm like, I don't see the sticker. I'm like on the verge of tears. I'm like, what am I going to do? This is like a few weeks ago. And I go back through it and it's on like page 20 of my passport or something, like in the back. So like every aspect of this has been like a high and a low and a high and a low emotionally. But I'm I'm excited. I've always wanted to bridge psychology with the creative work that I do. Art direction is so me. Um, I even told the story on my Instagram story. But at the end of our FITM journey, um, you know, the teachers would be like, oh, well, what do you want to do? They were so curious about like, oh, what do you guys want to do? And they would ask us at the end of this big presentation with our portfolios and all this stuff. And I lied. I intentionally lied because I knew at the time I was applying or I was waiting for my, um, you know, decision to come back on the interview for UAL and for the master's program I was applying to. And I didn't want any shred of negative vibe to ruin the process. And so I was like, oh, I think I want to do sports marketing, which was somewhat true. I mean, I still like love the idea of sports marketing, but art direction, that's really it for me. And it, it, it makes the most sense for me because it's what I've always been doing. I think I have been so fortunate to grow through this process as somebody who loves analysis and really wants to change the future. Like when I was looking through the program description and UAL has great programs, by the way, I highly recommend it for any creative who is thinking of getting a degree. Um, a lot of times they're a lot cheaper than American degrees or they're not, maybe they even out, but they're, you're getting so much more for the degree than you would be in America. I don't know, like it might be worth it, but, um, they have this great thing. Even if you aren't considering applying for a degree program, go look at their degree programs and scroll to the bottom. They have this whole list of jobs that applies to the degree. So it's honestly, it's just great research if you're a creative and you don't really know what your job title could be. Because I find that when you're looking for jobs, you need good job titles. You need to find the actual tangible thing. And when I was looking through the program description, it had 
trend forecasting and like basically everything that I had really wanted to focus on. And I was like, that's it. And it had this thing, you know, when I was in my interview, the program director told me, he said, you know, we are not trying to produce artists. He said, everybody is an artist. He said, you know, talent is one thing. He said, we're trying to create a space where people can study and focus on the future. We're building futuristic artists, the kind of people that change the way things are percepted, the way things are interpreted. He said, so if that's the kind of work you want to do, this is the program for you. And it just was like a light bulb. So I feel great. I feel like I'm right where I need to be. I'm excited to finally share this news. A lot of people have been asking me, where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you going? What are you doing? And honestly, it got me through these five months at home, knowing like I have a big future. I have a big, huge, life-changing event. A lot of stuff has come up for me lately. That's another podcast episode. I find that with big life changes comes all of the skeletons that you have buried deep in the basement of yourself. So all of that comes up right when it needs to, you know, because you have to deal with some of those things, clear those emotions, release those last things before your journey, the next journey, because you have to be able to feel it and really be in it. So I just feel incredibly grateful. I think that's the walk away here. And I am, I feel like I'm going to Yale. Like, let me just be honest about that because I feel like so often growing up, there was this pressure on academia and I did not care. I didn't. And, you know, I had people ask me, oh my God, people that I regretted telling about London or heard, people that had heard through the grapevine or something, they would go, oh, but a master's degree right away. And I was like, yeah, like I am hungry for this. I feel fed by this. It feels like my soul's alliance. It doesn't feel like work to me. And sure, it's hard. There are times when, you know, the papers and the work, and of course it'll get tough, but it feels like something I want to be doing. And if you think about it, I've only had two years in a creative degree. My first two years of college were in psychology. In the second two years, my bachelor's degree was in was only a two-year program. So I've really only been in the field in my educational higher learning experience for two years. And in the thing or in the major or in the practice or whatever we're calling it, that really lights me up and makes me feel connected to something, tethered to something. So I I couldn't be more excited. Um I can't wait to take everybody in on the journey with me. I can't wait to see how British people are. (laughs) I've already been like trying to learn the lingo and stuff because I just feel like, you know, the stereotypes about Americans, like I am every one of them. I am loud. I am audacious. I am annoying. So it's going to be interesting. The road to meeting myself in a new place Um, but I'm excited and I'm excited to, like I said, bring you guys along. If you don't follow my Instagram, you definitely should. I post a lot on my stories and 
it's kind of become like a perpetual habit. I really just share anything that's like just seems deeply important to me at the time, which could be what I'm eating for dinner or what could be like a profound thought I've had about the music industry or something. I don't know. But um, I'm just excited. I just feel excited. I feel glad. (sighs) And I feel like the cat's out of the bag. So with that said, please follow. Um, I think I keep forgetting to say that, but if you want to hear more from my podcast, I think the best thing to do is follow. I think on Apple Music and Spotify, actually, I think you can follow uh, Shades of Brilliance. And as always, I'll see you next Friday. We have every, we have new episodes every Friday. Thank you. Bye.